So last week we began talking about Nehemiah because we had mentioned last week that we are starting a, a Arise and Build capital campaign, and that is the title of our sermon series, Arise and Build. And so in that particular series and, and in this particular book, we are actually going to be looking at the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a builder, and he was tasked and burdened with the responsibility of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And for those who are not familiar with this story, Jerusalem had been held siege or captive. And um, through all of that, the people of God were kind of taken out to a foreign land and the walls were all ripped and torn down. So Nehemiah was burdened to go back and rebuild the walls. And so we are going to be learning some things and, and just really diving in and understanding uh, how Nehemiah accomplished what God had set out for him to do. And, uh, and so today we're going to continue with that particular uh, series and book. And we're going to be talking today about overcoming distractions, overcoming distractions. But right before I get into that, I'd, I'd want to say this. It's going to take a tremendous focus for us to uh, complete our Rise and Build campaign. We must understand that Satan will attack in every area of our lives. Satan hates you. And what he wants to do more than anything else, he wants to distract you. He wants to distract you from the purposes of God. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know that there's an enemy out there. We know, like, even about the incidents that are happening in Houston and in Florida. How do we know that the devil is mad? He's trying to destroy lives. But God still called us with a unique purpose. And everything that it, it would take everything for all of us to stay focused and understand that God is still on the throne. How many of you believe that God is still on the throne? Because sometimes you tend to forget that when what you're going through. You look at the challenges of life and the situation that you're dealing with at home, and you sometimes wonder, God, where are you? How do we know God is faithful? He never left, but we must stay in tune with what he is doing in the earth. So we understand that the earth is full of distractions. The whole world system has been set up in such a way to try and distract us from the God who loves us. We can get distracted by a, an overdose of activities. We can be dist distracted by uh, technology. It's one of the big distractions that we have today, right? When's the last time you was on Facebook before you came to church? <laughs> uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these different things. Nothing wrong with these things. But how do you know that sometimes that we can get so entangled in these things that they distract us from doing the things that we really be needing, need to do? And so when we allow ourselves to be distracted, we kind of stall and put ourselves on hold. Because when we get distracted, we sort of lose our focus. And that's really what this series is really all about. One of the things I constantly face is distractions as a, as a pastor, as a leader. Um, every time I sit down, it's amazing. I sit down at home. I get ready to prepare a message. You know, the phone will go off or somebody will come knock on the door. Or, you know, when you're trying to pray, all of a sudden, man, everything goes crazy. You're trying to serve God, and all of a sudden you got a problem at home or something at work. You know, and, and it's always something. But sometimes, I want you to understand that, sometimes that, that is demonically inspired. 
You got to understand that, 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 that how many of you believe that God has a purpose for your life? How many of you believe that? You see, you believe that, how many of you believe that God is in control of every aspect of your life? And if, we, if we believe that, then we also understand that there's a devil out there that want to stop us. Now, the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, right? So we, we all know that, that our God is greater. So we don't need to fear the devil, but we don't need to give him place. And I'm afraid that many of us, we get distracted a lot of times and we lose our focus or we procrastinate. We get ourselves in trouble because we give place to the devil. In other words, I, I, I thought about this analogy. You know, um, how many know that the, that the devil is always looking for an opportunity? First of all, how many do you believe in the devil? Uh, he's real. Whether you believe it or not, he's real. And he's fighting us on every turn. We're going to talk a little bit about that here today. But I, I thought about how that the devil, like, you know, usually, typically, and I mentioned this last week, um, I like to, to make sure that at nighttime my house is secure. And, you know, and I check every door. But what if I said that, okay, maybe tonight or today I won't, I'll just leave that door unchecked. I will just, you know, hopefully nothing will happen. How many know that there's an opportunity there for the devil? There's an opportunity there for the burglar. There's an opportunity there for somebody to come and do something wrong. That's how Satan does. Satan is looking in our lives. He's looking for cracks. He's looking for ways. He's looking for things that he could try to do to distract us and, and discourage us from doing what God wants us to do. Jesus was no stranger to distractions. You remember in Matthew chapter 4, Satan had tempted Jesus with, and tried to say, you know, matter of fact, let's turn there. Let's look at it. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4. I didn't want to necessarily read it, but I'm, I don't think you have it there. But so you have to turn there in your Bibles. In Matthew chapter four, it said, "Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, and this is verse number one, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil." Now listen, then Jesus led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now, when the tempter, who is Satan, came to him, he said, "If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread." But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But then look at this. Look what Satan does. I want you to look, at, look down in verse number eight. And it says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, Here's what the devil said to Jesus. All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Of course, Jesus said in verse 10, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall not worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So what was Satan trying to do? Satan knew that Jesus had a purpose. He had a call. Jesus came to die. He came to sacrifice his life so that we could have life. He had a clear assignment from God. And here we see the enemy trying to tempt him with worldly things, to tempt him with, with power, with money. He says, I will give you all of this. And how many know the same devil that did it to Jesus, he'll do it to you. He's trying to tempt us, too, with all the things of the world. Because what did he want to do? He wanted to distract us because how many believe that what God has for you is good for you, is the best? God wants nothing but the best for your life. Nothing. And I know sometimes God calls us to do things sometimes we don't necessarily like. 
But how many know God loves us and he's a good father? Come on, say amen to that. He's a good God. And God is not going to give you anything that's going to hurt you. If God tells you not to do something, it is for your protection. It is his love that is shining through. And so let's talk a little bit, because I think it's important as we go back into Nehemiah, I want to talk a little bit about the enemy. I want to talk about the enemy of our soul, Satan, because, and I, and I believe that in part, and I said this a moment ago, that many of the things that we are experiencing today in our country, in the world today, is because Satan is mad. I really believe it. And he is at work. And we need to be more discerning in this season more than at any time, I believe, in our lives. We really need to be discerning in what's happening. But look what it says here in 1 Peter 5, 8, and this is a familiar passage of Scripture. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, in the faith, in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So here's what he said. He's saying, now watch, be sober. In other words, stay alert. Don't be drunk with the things of this world. Don't allow yourself to be too intoxicated that you're not discerning, hearing, or knowing what is happening around us or understanding the will of God. He says to be vigilant. Vigilant means to be on the alert for possible dangers and difficulties. That's why I think it's important that, that we discern and understand that, uh, you know, places that we go, things that we do, I believe God will protect us if we're listening. He says, be vigilant because Satan like a roaring lion. Satan is a bully. And what is this, what, why does he roar? Because he want to intimidate us. Satan wants us to operate in fear and not in faith. He wants you to live your life afraid. He wants you to live your life scared. He wants you to be like everybody else. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He wants you to, but, 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 but how many know that Jesus says that he'll give us peace and the world cannot take it away? A peace that surpasses all understanding. But Satan wants that. And it says he calls us to resist him. How do we resist the enemy? We don't give in to his temptations. We don't give in to his distractions because Satan is going to always try to lure you. He's going to try to tempt you to do things that are outside of the will of God. I was talking with a young man the other day, and he's struggling in his relationship because uh, he was unfaithful. And he realized the mistake that he made. And I sit there and I talk with him, and I can see all the, 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 the tears in his eyes how that he realized, obviously it was, it was late at this point, but he realized that he had been lured. The devil is always going to be trying to tempt us. He's going to try to tempt us in so many different ways, but we got to be wise. That's how we resist the devil. We don't give in to his, to his temptations, and we don't give in to his distractions. We understand and we, we study the word of God. We come to church. Why do we come to church? Why do we study the word of God? So because, because we want to understand what God is saying in this time and in this season. You want to make sure that you're spiritually ready for what the enemy wants to do in your life. So the more you feed your spirit, the more you'll understand the things of God and you can protect yourself. You can resist the devil, but you can't resist something if you don't really know it exists. 
You can't really resist something or fight something off if you don't even realize that you're in the fight. Most people, when I talk about the things, of, when I talk about Satan and the devil, a lot of people think, well, I mean, I don't know about all that. I'm telling you, the devil is real. And until we acknowledge it and understand it, then we won't have the kind of, uh, the, the, the kind of success or the kind of effectiveness that we can have for the things of God. And so what is Satan doing? He is seeking to devour us. He don't want us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Satan don't want us to build a church. Satan don't like churches. Why don't Satan like churches? Because they represent salvation. Churches represent hope. Churches represent light and darkness. Churches represent Jesus Christ. Churches represents God's love to humanity, to humanity. And so Satan wants to devour us. He want us to quit. He don't want us to build anything. He want us to, he want us to just go away, to quit it, to stop. But he says, I like how he says here, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brother here in the world. So how many know that we're all in this fight together? And one of the things that is going to help us to stand is we learn how to stand together in Jesus' name. One of the same primary ways in which he works is he works through people. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Another familiar passage, because we're going to see how that Nehemiah was challenged. And I believe that uh, Satan was using some folks to try to stop Nehemiah from completing the task that God had given him. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Y'all hear that. This is why you got to love people no matter who they are. This is why you can't hate people, because God died for people. God loves people. He says, now, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I know you think you're wrestling against flesh and blood, but that's not where, where your real struggle is. He said, but against principalities, look at this, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. You hear that? I want you to get that. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your cousin. It's not your co-worker. It's not your boss. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality. These are spiritual forces that are orderly. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So this is powerful. So what he's, what he's saying there is that Satan, people are not the enemy, but Satan will use people, and he often uses people, and people don't even realize it, in order to try and accomplish his own will, which is to destroy God's purposes and plans for all of our lives. In fact, you remember, and I don't have time to read it, but in Matthew chapter 16, uh, in verses 21 and 23, you can read it. But uh, uh, Jesus was uh, preparing to die on the cross. And Peter, uh, who was his uh, apostle, the leader really of the apostles, uh, kind of pulled Jesus aside and kind of said, no, Lord, you, you, you can't die. No, you, you, and Jesus was saying, look, the son of man, I have to die. I came to die. That's why I'm here. And I'm going to die and I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of these people. And Peter said, no, Lord, you can't die. No, no, no. And, and you know, Peter was sincere. From a fleshly standpoint, that was, 
probably what most of us would have did. You know, Jesus is, you know, he's everything to them. And he said, I'm going to die. And Peter said, no. And Jesus looked right at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. So Jesus looking at Peter, but he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because what Peter didn't discern was, Peter didn't discern that it was, this was a battle in, this, in the realm of the spirit. And I wonder how many of us are fighting battles right now that are spiritual battles, but we're fighting them with fleshly means. In other words, you're trying to fight them on your own, with your own strength with their own power because you're not discerning that this is spiritual warfare. I believe that some, I don't believe that all sicknesses necessarily is because it's just a physical sickness. I think some things are spiritually motivated. I, I've come to learn that. This is why we pray for the sick. This is why we pray and ask God to heal because we know that Satan wants to do everything and anything he can to distract you from being everything that God wants you and I to be. So we we understand that Satan is at work. We understand that uh, he works through people, and such was the case here in Nehemiah. So in Nehemiah's case, Nehemiah, he, he heads on back to Jerusalem. He, he gets favor from the king to go back and rebuild the wall. He gets all the resources that he needs. And when he goes back to Jerusalem, there were some people there that was, that was basically uh, managing the place uh, for the king. So they were upset, they were mad, they were angry that these guys were going to come back and build the wall. So Nehemiah had gathered together all these people, and they started building. I mean, man, they got the wall up, things were looking good, and all the while, they were being attacked and told how they couldn't do it. How, they, how, how that, you know, even if a fox, they would begin to mock them. Even if a little fox, a little animal, jump on your little wall, it's going to fall down. So Nehemiah now, he... Got the walls built up, but he still hadn't, hadn't completed the wall yet. He still had to put the doors in. He hadn't done that yet. And so right from the beginning, Nehemiah is facing some opposition. And we believe that God, and, and we talked about it last week, that God had put it in the heart of Nehemiah to go and rebuild this wall. Because that wall in Jerusalem represented God's presence. It represented God's power. It represented salvation. It represented hope. And when those walls was torn down, it bothered Nehemiah. So Nehemiah was burdened by God to go there and rebuild the wall. This was a thing that God had called him to do. Why do we say God called him? Because the king gave him all the resources. The king was in part responsible for destroying the wall in the first place. But then he gives Nehemiah the go-ahead to go back and rebuild it. So we see that the hand of God is with Nehemiah, that this wasn't just something that Nehemiah just thought about. We believe that God put it on the inside of his heart to do it. And I really believe, and, and, and I want to say this, and I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God has called us, and every, every, every church that is called by God is called by God to do a particular work. And I believe that our church, Foundation Church, has been called by God in this area to meet a particular need. We are called as God's people, as Foundation Church, to equip God's people and to make them strong disciples. We are called to help people mature in the faith, to understand who they are. We are a church that teach the word of God, and I believe that God is calling us to build. This school is just a place where we're, we're starting, uh, where we're, we're here temporarily, but how many know that God is taking us to another place? Come on, say amen. Come on. God is taking us to another place. So I believe, like Nehemiah, that we, we have been called to raise up mature disciples. We have been called to train and equip. This is our calling as a people. 
But here's what we know and we can learn from Nehemiah. The first point is that Nehemiah discerned what the enemy was attempting to do through Samballot and others. Look at verse number two. We kind of read it earlier, but look at this verse two in chapter six of Nehemiah. It said that Samballot and Gershom sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Uno. But they thought to do me harm. They thought to do me harm. So what did Nehemiah realize? Nehemiah was discerning. He knew that, you know, that there was something wrong. And as I said before, we have to be as discerning in our generation. We have to be able to understand what is happening because we have to communicate to people. We have to tell people. When people are out there and they're hurting and they're saying, where do I go for hope? How, how is this thing going to unfold? How many know that we're the people of hope? We're the people that have that hope. We have that, that love down on the inside, and we need to share it with all mankind. But Nehemiah was a discerning man. And I believe that Nehemiah kept his focus on what God had called him to do. Nehemiah's call was to rebuild this wall. And so Nehemiah was focused on the big picture. Now, one of the things that Satan liked to do is Satan don't want us to focus on the big picture, right? I was talking to somebody the other day. I was, I was getting on some counseling, and I said, and they said, you know, me and my, me and my spouse, we were arguing about something. And, uh, but then, you know, but, but the thing that we supposedly was arguing about, uh, we weren't even arguing about that. We were talking about something else. Anybody ever been there? Right? <laughs> because what, what happened is it's, it's, it's all about these distractions. So what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to, he don't want you to, to, to keep looking at the big picture. The big picture is we love each other. We have to stay together. We're called. See, the, the, what, what Satan want to do is he want to get you distracted on these little things. So you get mad. You start picking up, or you did this, and you did it. And in the grand scheme of things, it don't matter. And if you're not careful, you will get distracted, and you'll walk away from what God has called you to do. Nehemiah. He discerned, he understood, he kept the big picture in mind. He says, God's called me to build the wall. So no matter what, I'm going to keep my focus on the main thing. And we need to think the same way. Nehemiah refused to allow himself to be distracted. Look at verse number three. He says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. Look at this church that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? So these enemies, Sambalat, Tobiah, all of them, they were trying to get Nehemiah to stop the work. You know, because the whole, the whole point of this was we don't want you to accomplish it. We know God put this in your heart, but, you know, we, you need to do something else. But Nehemiah refused to let himself be distracted. I like how he said, he said, why should I come down to you? In other words, he's saying, listen. Will my coming to you, how is my coming down to you going to help me fulfill the thing that God has called me to do? I believe that we need to live a life of purpose at Way Church. I believe that we need to be careful about, uh, about uh, where we go and people that we hang around, places. And I believe we need, to, we need to be very, very careful about those things because how many know that you can get yourself caught up in the wrong situation and you get distracted and you're not doing what God has called you to do? Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down. He just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted. And how many know, church, if we're going to complete the task of what God has given to us as a church to rise and build, how many know that we got to have an attitude, I'm just not going to be distracted. Sometimes you just got to make a decision. I'm just not going to do this. 
I'm just not going to allow myself. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow myself to, to waste time. I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted with the opinions of others. How many know that people always have an opinion? They're going to always have an opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to be distracted with doubt. I'm not going to be distracted with material things. I'm not going to be distracted with activities from what God is calling me to do. We got to be determined. Nehemiah was determined. He says, I'm just not going to go there. And we have to be the same way if we're going to accomplish what God has for us. But how many know that Satan has a lot of patience? I believe that Satan is more patient than a lot of Christians are. Look at verse number four. It says here that, um, but they sent me this message four times. Everybody say four times. And I answered them in the same manner. And then in verse number five, then Sambalat sent his servant to me as before. Sambalat, this is the guy, I believe Satan is using Sambalat. The fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So how many know that Satan will, will not stop? He was, he's going to keep trying to distract you. He's going to keep trying to distract us. As we go into this next season in our church, he's going to work overtime. He will distract us with lies. He will distract us with deception. He's going to distract us with family issues, job-related issues, relationally, relational issues. These all can be distractions, not to say that they shouldn't be dealt with, but they can't keep us from the main thing. How many know that Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you? Now, I know this sounds radical when I say this, and so I know some of you might say, oh, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. The kingdom of God, as a Christian, let me say this to you. The most important thing in your life, should be in your life, is God's work, his kingdom. Now, because here's what we know. When we put God first, God takes care of everything else. How many of you have seen that when you put God on the back burner, that things tend to struggle, things tend to suffer? I, I, I've seen that in my own life. And so... God wants to bless us. So he says, seek first the kingdom. In other words, what is it that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives? What is it that God wants to do in the church? How many know that God cares about those people out there? And we got to care about people. We want to see people come into a full relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see people get delivered from drugs. And we want to see people get delivered from alcohol abuse. And we want to see people get delivered from all kinds of things that they're battling with. But we can't allow ourselves to be distracted from this work of changing lives because this is the heartbeat of God, and it must be our heartbeat as well. Then Nehemiah, his character was attacked. Look at verse number 6 down to verse number 8. And it was written, verse 6, and it was written, and here's a letter that they sent to Nehemiah. So this letter has started it was spreading around, in other words, rumors. See how, how the enemy works. Now these are rumors that are coming up. And it says here in this letter, it is reported among the nations. And Gershom says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. <laughs> Look at this church. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now, these matters will be reported to the king. So come, 
Therefore, and let us consult together. Then verse number eight. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. How many know that nothing distracts you more than when somebody wants to attack your character? When you know, I mean, I know that this is something that I've had to learn uh, because it hasn't been something easy for me because I really work hard on my character. My integrity and my character is everything to me. Because when you lose your word, you lose your integrity, you lose your character, you lost, you lost a lot of influence. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You only get really one good chance to get this right. And your character and your integrity, so I work really, really hard at that. And here it is that, that, that the enemy now is going to attack this character. So here's what they're saying. They say, here's what we're going to do. They, they, said to, they said to Nehemiah, they start like sending out these rumors like, well, you know, we're going to go back and we're going to let the king know, you know, the king that gave you permission to come and rebuild the ball. We're going to let the king know that really you're trying to build your own kingdom, that you're planning on taking over. In other words, you're not doing this for the benefit of the people. You're doing this, Nehemiah, for yourself. Nehemiah, you don't have good motives. Now, if that was one of us, you know, we'd be like, well, you know, we have to let them know. Why, why'd you do it? You know, we'd be up in their, you know, in their grill. But that's exactly what the enemy wanted them to do. The enemy wanted Nehemiah to stop. He was hoping that Nehemiah would, be, would get so emotional that he would get angry, stop building, and then spend time trying to squash rumors. How many know that a lot of times you don't have a whole lot of time to try to squash a whole bunch of rumors and what people are saying about you? You understand what I'm saying? That, that, how many know that can be exhausting? Especially now, I'm talking to those, to those who know that you're doing the right thing. And so when Nehemiah's attitude was, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be distracted. You want to attack my character? You're going to try to say things about me? Hey, you know what? I'm not going to go and try to defend myself. God is going to be my defense. How many of you have gotten to that point where you can say, God will be my defense? I, listen, you think what you want to think, but... I'm going to leave it to God. How many know that God will vindicate your character? Because when people want to say things about you that are not true, you don't have to try to defend yourself. You really don't. You don't have to go around and, 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 and rehearse how you're going to deal with this issue and how you're going to tell somebody off. You don't need to do all that. You just need to trust God. Everybody say trust God. Some of y'all, you've been, you've been mad, you're mad at somebody right now. You're angry at them. You can't stand them because... They assassinated your character. But here's the thing. If it's nothing there, it ain't nothing there. <laughs> they can't harm me if I'm doing what is right. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If we're doing what is right, you, 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 you can't harm me. See, Nehemiah knew this. You see, and, 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 and Nehemiah's attitude was, God, you handle that. I'm going to stay focused. You know, as a pastor, sometimes my, you know, and as a leader, in, in my other job, I have, I'm a bivocational pastor. Sometimes my character get attacked. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I've had to learn is that I just have to stay focused on what God has called me to do. No matter, and I'm going to tell you right now. So as we're going into this Rise and Build campaign, there's always somebody going to say something to the tune of, oh, you know, the pastor just want money or they want this. And, they, you know, and people say that. But how many know that? when you know in your heart that you're doing what is right by God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If you know that you're doing what is right, let people say what they're going to say. Because watch this, watch this. 
God will defend you, and you don't have to explain anything to anybody as long as your heart is right. That is important. So Nehemiah understood that. His character was attacked, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to let that distract me. Don't spend a lot of time trying to go back and squash a bunch of rumors because rumors are always going to be around, and people are always going to say things about you, but you need to learn how to trust God. God will be your defense. Amen? Satan will try and distract us with fear. Look at verse number 9. Nehemiah was attacked with fear, for they were all trying to make us afraid, make us scared, afraid, fearful. Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. So part of this whole process of what Nehemiah was going through was that, it, that they were trying to, 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 to threaten him with, well, you know, once we go back and we tell the king that y'all are building this wall, that the king is going to get mad about it, and the king is going to come back, and he's going to, he's going to destroy He's going to kill you. He's going to, he, he's going to, he's going to, he's just going to destroy your life. And so, and the whole purpose of all that was to get them to stop. To give, to be afraid. To be fearful. How many know that Satan wants us walking in fear? Oh, you can't give. You can't do this. Because what if this happens? You can't do that. I mean, I mean, what if, what if they take advantage of you? What if, what if, what if? I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And Satan wants you walking in fear. He wants to put you in fear because he knows as long as you're in fear, you're not in faith. And when you're not in faith, you can't please God because fear has become your master. How many know the Bible says fear has what? Torment. A lot of people are not fulfilling or doing what God has called them to do simply because they're being tormented by fear. And how many know as the people of God, we got to walk by faith, not by sight. You can't be, listen, you can't allow the enemy to try to put you in fear because how many of you believe that your God will supply all of your needs? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you believe that God will protect you? How many of you believe that God is your defense? How many of you believe that your God is greater than anything or anybody? Then you don't need to fear anything. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Tell them, say, don't fear, don't fear nothing because our God is with us. Nehemiah, it was trying to attack him with fear to try to get him to come down off that wall. And the enemy will try to do the same thing to all of us. As we enter into this season, he wants to put us in fear. But we understand that that's a trick of the enemy, so we're not going to give in to it. And then lastly, Nehemiah didn't allow himself to be distracted with sin. Nehemiah did not allow himself to be distracted with sin. So we're looking at how Nehemiah was successful in building the wall because Ultimately, he was successful. So one of the things we know about Nehemiah, though he was an honorable man, and so Nehemiah was so honorable. Listen to me, church. Y'all see a listen say amen. Nehemiah was so honorable that they had to try to trick him into sin. In other words, there was no sin in his life, but the brother was so honorable, they actually tried to trick him into sin. How many know that you really walk with God when people got to try to trick you into sin? So, and I, I, look at verse number, look at verse number 10. 
this is the last point here, but look at verse number 10. It says, and afterwards I came to the house of Shemaiah. This is Nehemiah talking. The son of Deliah, the son of uh, Mehitabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, watch this. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple. But they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. So here's what they tried to do. See, only the temple really could go into that, 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 that the priests could go into that temple. And so what they tried to do was they tried to say, well, Nehemiah, you know, somebody come to kill you. You need to run into the temple because they wanted to be able to, they wanted to discredit him. They wanted to spread a false rumor that, that, that this guy, he can't be trusted. I mean, man, he, ran, he went into the temple. He wasn't supposed to go there because you could not go into the temple without some form of impunity. So Nehemiah, he, you know, Nehemiah knew this. They knew this. And so what they try to do, they try to get him to come into the temple so they can try to trick him to sin against God. How many know that the devil is doing the same, the same tactics he did back then he's doing today? He's trying to tempt you. He's trying to lure you. He's trying to do whatever he can to try to, to, try to discredit your name. But how many know, church, that, that we need to be like Nehemiah? See, um, Nehemiah, the Bible says, let me, let, me, let me go back. The Bible says that Satan is an accuser of the brethren. You know, so whenever somebody does something wrong who's a believer, Satan's always running up there trying to accuse the brethren. That's what he do. Well, look what they did. Look what they did. But how many know that, that we need to live a life that is honorable before God? We need to live a life where we're not, because how many know that sin is a distraction? And when people get distracted with sin, it's hard to fulfill the things of God because sin makes you blind. Sin puts you in a position where you, you're not walking in light, where you, can, you, you can't see. See, when we're walking with God, we're walking in the light. And so when, I, when I'm walking in light, I spiritually I can discern. I can know when the enemy is trying, what he's trying to do to me, what he's trying to do to my family. I have discernment. I understand what is happening around me. So Nehemiah was a man of integrity. He was a man of honesty. He was a man that wasn't distracted with sin. Y'all remember the story um, when, in, uh, I believe it's in the book of Joshua. They call it the Battle of Ai when uh, Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. And I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. Uh, Joshua is leading the people into uh, the promised land and they have been fighting wars. And, and all of a sudden they got this one battle. They call it the Battle of Ai where they got beat. And this was a, a small army of people that beat Israel who were larger at that particular time in that particular battle. And the whole nation, the whole move of God, I mean, God, they, they were moving forward, beating all these, their enemies. And there was one guy called, his name was Achan. And Achan had stole some stuff and took some stuff he wasn't supposed to take. That God said, don't, don't take it. Achan did it anyway. He took some stuff and he hid it. God knew about it. So when the children of Israel went to battle, they lost. And God revealed to Joshua, he said, why are you crying out to me? There's sin in the camp. And so that sin stopped the whole move of God. Sin. Sin has a capacity to do that. And so we have to be wiser. We have to be smart. 
We have to be people that position ourselves so that we're walking in obedience for, to God, particularly in this season. So as we close, a couple of thoughts I want to give to you this morning with regard to all of this. And we'll continue to expound upon this next week and the subsequent week. What God has called us to do is going to take tremendous focus from all of us to build. And we're building something that will position us to better reach people. As I said last week, all that we're doing is about reaching people. It's about lives. And it's about our destiny and our purpose. And we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ because we believe that the good news of Jesus Christ is the answer that everybody needs. And so we're going to do this. But understand something. It's not going to happen without the enemy attacking us. It's not going to happen without some forms of distractions. And the devil is going to distract us in our, in our homes, on our jobs. And a lot of people don't make the connection. You know, if you're a believer, you're not just a believer here on Sunday, right? Right? You're a believer, then you walk with God all during the course of the week. And what Satan wants to do is Satan, wants, Satan knows, and he, he has an idea of what God is trying to do with us, so he wants to try to stop us. We have to be wiser than that. We have to be, not allow ourselves to be distracted so that we can fulfill this mandate that God has placed on us. Amen? Uh, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I just want to pray.